Hey everybody, this is Farmer D with the Citizen Farmers Podcast, bringing you inspiration, knowledge, and resources to help you grow healthy food, build thriving communities, and give back to the earth. For the past 25 years, I've been designing and building farms and gardens from backyards to agrihoods, and I'm excited to share my passion and experience for growing food and community with you. Let's dig in. Today's episode is focused on the foundation of compost. In my book, it is the first chapter for a very good reason. Compost is the beginning and the end to your gardening journey. It is the key element of building healthy soil, which ultimately is what's going to allow you to be successful in your garden and on your farm. And it's also, I think, the most kind of symbolic act of stewardship. You know, it's one of the things that we can all do, even if we don't garden. We can take all of our food scraps and our organic waste that we generate and return that to the soil, whether that's the soil in your own backyard or it's to your local community garden or it ends up in a local farm or even in your county compost. So today what I want to focus on is just the basics of composting. If there's anything that you can do to be a citizen farmer, start composting. Food waste is one of the biggest issues, and I know you throw out a lot of food if you don't compost, and all that food that fills up your garbage bag and ends up in the dump could be in your garden helping you to grow awesome food and landscape. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a few key things in composting that I want you to know. One is we're going to talk about tools that you need for composting. We'll talk about the different kinds of composting techniques, the different kinds of bins and vessels and ways to compost, where to compost, and the basics of how to compost, and then what you do with your finished compost. So the tools are really simple. For composting, the main thing you need is a good, solid shovel. And I prefer a flat-edged shovel than a pointy shovel. The flat shovel enables you to chop the veggies that go in your compost pile, right? It's easier to chop stuff up with a flat edge shovel than it is with a pointy edge shovel. So small, strong, straight edge shovel. A digging fork is nice to have for turning your compost pile. You can do it with a shovel, so it's not critical, but it is sometimes a little easier to use a digging fork or like a nice pitchfork to turn your compost pile over. Other than that, compost caddy, some kind of container in the kitchen that you can collect your veggie scraps and collect them under the sink or on the countertop. There's all different kinds of these things. I'm not going to go into details, but you can be as simple as a coffee can, you know, something just that you recycle out of your own kitchen. You can buy, what I use is like one of those stainless compost bin that goes on the sink or under the sink and it's got a filter. So that helps with just the odors and you just replace the filters every so often. But there are some fancy containers that you can collect scraps in. If you're very urban and you don't have a place outside, there's even these really cool composting units that go inside. It chops your veggies, it plugs in, it does heat and air and it makes compost right there on the countertop. So you can check those out too. They're pretty expensive, but they're pretty pretty sweet. And I think the technology's gotten a lot better. If you've got uh, a little bit of space on a patio, you know, you can also look into Bokashi, which is a pretty cool system for using a Bokashi uh, enzyme-based composting process that breaks down compost. You know, it's a little difficult to get huge volumes going, but you can do five-gallon buckets or even get into like 50-gallon drums and do a really kind of micro-urban compost system. Uh, You can always go with worms and look into worm bins that don't take up a lot of space. And then there are some pretty contained compost tumblers that could even go on a patio that you could have, you know, right out your kitchen patio kind of situation in an urban environment and compost in one of those contained tumblers. 
And then if you want to spend the the money and go with one of the uh, countertop or inside the house electrical units that you can plug in and it's a pretty nifty little urban compost solution there. So those are those are a couple options if you live in a city and you just don't have a yard. Personally, I like the slow compost in the garden more than I do those quick heated electric ones. It's kind of a first step, but I'm not going to go into the weeds on that. So basically, basic tools, compost caddy, a container to collect your veggie scraps, preferably one with the filters on it, a good shovel, straight edge shovel for turning your compost, chopping your compost, and those are the key tools to composting. Okay, the types of compost bins. So there's a lot of options here. I'll start with the simplest one, right? Just build a pile somewhere in your garden, in your yard. And what I mean by that is you don't even need a container. If you just build a pile and do it right as far as adding enough carbon materials, which are like leaves, you know, dried leaves, dried grass clippings, then you're going to be fine something to hold the pile a little tighter together and keep some critters out. You can get a simple wire, like a chicken wire frame. There's lots of things on YouTube about this, right? But you can basically build like a circle of wire and you throw your material into that. You can also buy a compost bin. There are lots of options out there from plastic bins to metal bins to wood bins. Some are totally rodent proof and tumble and you can turn them. Some are more just solid on the ground that you turn, you know, yourself. Personally, we make a compost bin. I've been doing one for many years out of cedar and wire. And it just, it's like a three by three. Basically, you want about a three foot by three foot cube of space or bigger in order to get kind of the mass, the volume to build good compost. So find a good compost bin. One thing I've been doing lately that's been kind of an interesting experiment, I have a raised bed. It's a three by six 10 inch deep raised bed. And I put it in my my rental house. I didn't have my compost bin. I, I left it at the old house. It was filled up and I just didn't move it. And so I said, why don't I start making compost in this raised bed? It was empty. Instead of buying soil, I just started the compost pile in the empty bed. I loosened up the soil below um, on the native ground and I started throwing my veggie scraps on the one edge of the bed. And then I'd add some carbon, some leaves and stuff out of the yard, a little bit of soil, some old compost. And I just started working my way across this three by six bed. And I'd say it probably took me a couple months to really fill the whole bed up with compost. And now that whole bed was composting. I didn't actually add worms, but in hindsight, I probably should have or could have. It would have gone even better because it's not a hot compost pile. So worms can live in a, in a warm pile. If you build a big pile and you really get it cooking, it's a little bit of a different process and it brings all different kinds of microorganisms and it's hot. It's not so much about worms anymore. It's more about all the other incredible bugs that start to break these things down. So most backyard gardeners are not getting their compost piles to 140, 150 degrees. So worms are your best friend. Slow, kind of cooler composting works great. So this raised bed technique has actually been awesome. So I filled, I had two beds. So I filled up one and once that was done, I moved to the second one and I've been composting in the second raised bed. And as that fills up, I start pulling from the first one and I use some of that kind of partially composted material and I turn it into the new bed where I'm composting with the fresh material. And so basically I've now built the second bed over the next couple months is now built up with all the compost scraps, some of the old compost from the first bed and other carbon. And now I'm going back to the first bed again and I'm doing it again and I'm just digging out the finished compost and using it in the garden and I keep rotating these two raised beds and things are growing out of it. You know, things are volunteering out of those beds too. So I've got some nasturtiums. I think I had like a squash came out of there, a volunteer pumpkin. 
That's been kind of a fun technique. I'm loving it, actually. It's really nice. It's simple. It's worked well for me. So you've got your, your bin. Where do you put it, right? Where are you composting? Compost is it's pretty forgiving, okay? So if you're, you can be just about anywhere and be successful with compost if you manage it well. But I tend to try to find a shadier spot for compost so it doesn't get dried out too much. You, know, you want compost to stay moist. You do have to water compost if you're not in a rainy climate, you know, just like you would your garden, maybe not as frequently. As you're building your compost pile, try to mimic a rain. You know, use a nozzle that's going to give you kind of that rain shower, you know, gentle soaking. You don't want to like pour water into it, but you want to gently, you know, soak it in and make sure it's got plenty of moisture. But you also don't want your compost pile sopping wet because it's an it's an, an anaerobic process. It needs oxygen, but it needs water too. So compost is this living thing, right? It's this kind of organism that you're stewarding. But coming back again to location of your compost pile. So shade, a little bit of shade, a little bit of sun's okay, but shadier on the shadier side's better. Putting it somewhere not right next to your kitchen door or too close to your house because inevitably compost is going to attract some critters. That's part of the process. But it can also attract some rodents and things like that sometimes. Now, if you manage your compost pile well and you constantly keep it well covered, you should minimize the amount of odors, flying insects, and critters. So I put it kind of in the back corner of the garden so it does have a space to kind of be a little bit funky and a little bit shady and somewhere that's going to get moisture when it does rain. Something that's accessible for you to be able to get to it, turn it, get the compost out when you want to dig it out, not too out of the way. So those are the main things with location. As far as getting into managing your compost, right? So let's talk a little bit about what you put in your compost pile. The way that composting works is you have carbon material and nitrogen material. And when the right ratio, there's a balance of carbon and nitrogen and air and water, boom, decomposition happens, right? This beautiful process that nature uses to regenerate herself is something that we can orchestrate by just simply taking the things that are really waste, our food scraps, the leaves that fall off our trees in our yard, anything that is green is nitrogenous. So, you know, fresh grass clippings, fresh weeds, fresh garden refuse, you know, plants that you prune and clean up out of your garden. I love to grow things like comfrey, sorrel, things that I'm constantly pruning and cleaning up that make really good compost. Perennials, as you're cleaning up your garden, taking your old tomato plants, chopping down your broccoli stalks, things like that that you can add to your compost. Manures are nitrogenous. If you do have chickens or you're sourcing any kind of uh, animal manures from cows, goats, horses, sheep, llamas, pigs, that's all awesome stuff for compost. It's high nitrogen. It gets the compost pile cooking. It's loaded with all kinds of good stuff. You just want to make sure that if you're sourcing manures, that they're from like an organic farm or they're at least not using any kind of nasty chemicals or antibiotics. But if you have your own chickens, you know, one of the easiest things to do is chickens and rabbits. Chickens and rabbits are awesome for backyard gardens. Their fertility, their manure is amazing for the garden. So if you are raising animals, you can just take the manure with the bedding, which is a carbon. It's already kind of balanced for the compost pile and just add that into your pile. On the carbon side of things, your most abundant carbon source is typically leaves and or bark, preferably aged bark. Anything that's like dry in the garden, dried corn stalks, paper and cardboard, just kind of avoid things with inks and things that might have some stuff in there that you wouldn't want. But typically natural papers things that aren't bleached and stuff are fine. Any kind of wood, shavings, sawdust, those are very high carbon. Dryer lint is fine to put in the compost as a carbon. 
And then, you know, grass clippings are, are good. They're nitrogenous when they're green and they're carbon when they're brown. So if you've got a lot of, you know, if you're maintaining your yard, you can stockpile those grass clippings, let them dry out in the sun a little bit, let them brown up and build up your carbon inventory. In my book, I get a little more technical here, but different carbon materials have different carbon ratios. So for example, sawdust is really, really high carbon. It's, it, you, don't, you need a lot, I think it's like 250 to one. So if you're using sawdust, you don't need a lot of it, right? Because it's so, it's so potent. If you're using something like straw, which is less carbon rich, you'll need more volume to get to that ratio. It's pretty intuitive when you start working with these things. And the key is I, I find you, know, you want both that kind of science ratio of carbon and nitrogen to get the decomposition process working. And you also want the volume ratio right so that you're using enough carbon material to cover especially if you're using a lot of food scraps. Like I, I generate a lot of food scraps in my kitchen every day, you know, and so I'm constantly, I need quite a bit of carbon material to keep up. So I collect leaves, you know, I'll even go out in the neighborhood sometimes and kind of eye some good clean yards that don't look like they're too over manicured and sprayed and, and harvest, you know, some of their leaf bags of leaves that they put out on the curb and kind of stockpile. And then, you know, you can always, you know, find some local like kind of straw if you could find mulch straw or if you go to the like local feed and seed and or even like a home depot you can buy you know straw sometimes it's hard to know where that stuff's coming from so it's not my favorite option i if i know the source i'm more inclined to stock up on some of that kind of an organic mulch hay that from local farmers so those are the main carbon sources again i think you know collecting leaves is probably the the best thing to use the most abundant carbon resource and really really rich in nutrients a lot of people talk about not composting things like dairy and bread and things like that. I tend to throw most of that stuff in there as long as it's not a lot. We don't generate a ton of waste that is, you know, in the dairy side of things. Or So if it's funky, if it's like meat or dairy, that's you're questioning it, just, you know, throw it away in the garbage. But a little bit here and there is fine. If you have chickens, it's a good way to also throw that stuff into the chicken coop first. Let them get at it, and then you'll end up composting their manures. So that's kind of the basics. I'd stay away from your pet manures. Don't compost those, especially not for the for the vegetable garden. Obviously, anything that's not organic, you know, like plastics and certain things that just don't compost, essentially, ob- kind of obvious. You know, you could, you know, pine needles tend to be a little slow. So, you know, I'll compost them, but I'll usually have to kind of compost them a few times because they're slow to break down. Certain types are really thick leaves, oily leaves, like magnolia leaves, things like that. Some of them are going to be really slow to break down. Fish scraps, like when you're, when you're cooking fish and you're cleaning out fish, fish bones, really rich, really good for the garden, but can be pretty stinky. So you want to make sure those things are buried into your compost pile. That's pretty much it on what to compost. So how do you know when your compost is ready to use? I got a couple of tips here. So one is you should be able to no longer see food scraps in your finished compost. Uh, If you see rotting vegetables, then your compost is not ready. If you scoop up a a handful or shovel full of compost and it's, you know, teeming with life, there's no funky odor, it's not rotting, you can't see rotting vegetables or any woody material, then it's ready to go in the garden. What you want to avoid in compost that's not finished is if there's a lot of woody material, if there's bark mulch, if there's, you know, any kind of woody waste that hasn't broken down yet that's pretty hard, that's going to tie up 
nitrogen in the soil. Because it's such, such a rich carbon source that hasn't broken down yet, it needs nitrogen to break it down. And so it's going to suck the nitrogen from the soil away, rob it away from your plants. And so your plants will, will look a little anemic and they won't get the nutrients they need. So you want to be careful not to throw carbon, you know, woody compost that's not finished. You want it to be pretty broken down. You know, the basic way to know if your compost is ready is just look at it, kind of smell it. If it looks broken down, there's not a lot of rotting vegetables. There's not a lot of woody waste material still in there that's not broken down. That should be ready to go. You can put it in the garden. You know, if you're ever worried and you're questioning, you know, my compost doesn't look like it's fully ready, just fold it into your new pile and let it cook one more time. So basically, let's wrap this up by just saying there's lots of bins. There's lots of options for composting. Incorporating worms is something that you could consider, you know, getting some, some compost worms and putting those into your pile to kind of kickstart it and get it going. It's always good to use old compost as an inoculant to start new compost. It just helps kind of inoculate the pile with all those beneficial microorganisms that you find in compost. It's like making yogurt. And then balance of carbon and nitrogen from the garden, from the yard. And then a shady spot, not too sunny. Keep it moist. Keep it from drying out. And then turning your compost, it needs oxygen. So every once in a while, you know, check it, you know, dig in there and see if it feels like it's not breaking down. One thing you can always do is just turn the pile, basically flip it over to another section, pull it out, rebuild it. It helps kind of aerate it, mix the outside ingredients that aren't composting into the middle so that the outside gets inside and starts to break down at the same pace as what's been cooking on the inside. Yeah, and that's pretty much the basics of composting, right? Just collect your food scraps, collect your yard waste, put them together in the garden somewhere and take care of it. Just give it some water, make sure you turn it now and again, and you'll love the process. And it's so rewarding, not only reducing your carbon footprint by putting your food into the compost instead of the garbage, but at the end of the day, you're going to end up with this beautiful, rich compost. There's nothing like homemade compost, I'm telling you. It's so alive. It's so fresh. It's like fresh vegetables out of your garden compared to buying them in the store. A lot of the composts out there are not great quality. You've got to really seek out good quality composters. So doing it at home is a great way to make really high quality compost. Use it in your garden to help you regenerate your soil every crop cycle. Put it in the garden before you plant. Add it to the garden when the plants are growing, which is called side dressing, throwing a little compost around the base of your, your plants as they're growing to help give them a little boost along the way. Add it in the fall to your garden beds and incorporate it in before you plant your fall crops or your cover crops. Add it in the spring before you prep your garden for the spring planting and then use it a little here and there throughout the growing season on your crops. So that's it for this episode on composting. Get out there in the garden. Cultivate your inner steward start composting today. Join the Citizen Farmers community. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. For more information, check out today's show notes. Special thanks to our pilot sponsor, Netafin, the company that first brought drip irrigation to the world over 50 years ago. This podcast was co-produced and recorded by Ben Bernstein. Our audio editor is Stephanie Lamond. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Citizen Farmers podcast with Farmer D. Until next time, Enjoy your time in the garden.